We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. has finally passed and the Suns ended up with Tyler Johnson. <laughs> I'm surprised. Uh, my name is Mike V. Hill. Sam Cooper is joining me. Sam, how are you doing? Okay. Uh, pretty good, Mike. In my personal life, I'm great. The Suns, uh, this was a meh trade deadline and I think most, <laughs> most Suns fans probably feel the same way. A letdown in a sense, but I don't know what a lot of Suns fans expected. All of the talk coming out of James Jones and the front office of the Phoenix Suns was sort of that any sort of problem, like the point guard problem was going to be solved in free agency. They're clearly all in on the Zion race at this point. So any big move would have been a surprise to me. Uh, but there was, of course, the week that we thought we were going to get Lonzo Ball. So there, <laughs> there was a lot of excitement in Suns Twitter and Reddit and everywhere that Suns fans congregate around potentially getting a young point guard that would fit on the timeline of the Phoenix Suns. Instead, we got rid of Ryan Anderson, which is nice, and got a two-guard. You know, Tyler Johnson, not exactly a point guard, but according to Gambo, the Suns plan on starting him as the starting point guard. Yeah, um, I guess we'll see. I want to comment on something you already said, which is that the Suns are already in on the Zion tank race, but okay, I'm already frustrated (laughs) with, uh, with this trade deadline here. If you look at the standings, the Suns, uh, there's a seven-game difference between them and the Hawks right now. The Hawks being the fifth-worst team in the NBA at, uh, let me pull up their record real quick, 18-35. and 35. The, the Suns could have gone out and acquired a legitimately good player at this trade deadline who wouldn't have made a seven-game difference to push them out of top-five lottery odds. 
And with the new reform lottery odds, there's really not that much of a difference between uh, your chances of getting the first pick if you're the uh, fourth worst team or the fifth worst team regardless. So I don't know. I mean, the, the Tyler Johnson move, it's okay. Um, we'll evaluate this trade a, a, a little bit more. And um, actually, you know, I, I think you could even call it a good trade, but it's just they could have done a lot more and they just didn't. What happened in the meantime, I think, is actually the most interesting part of this story for Suns fans because there was a, a lot of national attention thrown the Suns way because of LeVar Ball. So just to recap what happened in the last week or so, uh, it was reported that Lonzo Ball was involved in trade talks for the Lakers trading for Anthony Davis or attempting to trade for Anthony Davis along with every other young player that plays for the Lakers. Um, the next report was that Lonzo Ball, if he were traded, would prefer to go somewhere without a starting point guard, which in a sense could be New Orleans, but of course Drew Holiday kind of takes that point guard role for them. Then there was a report that said the Suns and Lonzo Ball's camp have mutual interest and the Suns are interested in trading for uh, Lonzo Ball. This is the first time that there was any report that the Suns were interested. And then LeVar Ball was unleashed onto the world <laughs> and he came out swinging. Uh, the first thing he said was um, he believes that uh, the Suns are the perfect fit for Lonzo Ball, that he could win a championship here. He said that the Lakers weren't using him right. He said that the players on the Lakers are garbage if they don't play with Lonzo Ball and he makes them better. And then it came out that the Pelicans may have been trolling the Lakers this entire time, never had any plans to trade AD to the Lakers. And because of the AD trade falling apart, you can assume that that sort of ended any chance of Lonzo Ball coming to the Phoenix Suns at that point. So basically for an entire week, there was a chance or at least Suns fans believed there was a chance that Lonzo Ball could end up on the Phoenix Suns. I love the idea of Lonzo Ball uh, playing on this team, and I thought that you you actually do put up a lot of assets for Lonzo Ball, but I don't think you felt that way exactly, right, Sam? I just think people were treating Lonzo as a bit of, uh, a bit more of a known commodity than he actually is. That's really all it comes down to when you compare Lonzo versus some other point guards that were on the market, uh, like a guy who ultimately didn't end up getting moved in Mike Conley. Uh, there's just big question marks about Lonzo, especially I, I tweeted yesterday about his shooting. The Suns, since TJ Warren went down, it's been eight games now. They're shooting sub 30% from three as a team. And I, it's, it's hard to envision if DeAndre Ayton is going to continue to not shoot threes, although he did take one or two last night, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, but if he's going to continue to not shoot threes, if Josh Jackson is going to continue to struggle there, if Devin Booker is more of a 32% three-point shooter than the 38% shooter that we thought he was, and you kick TJ Warren off the roster, I mean, it's hard to see how you can add Lonzo uh, to a team like that and still succeed. There's just not much spacing in your offense. Weirdly, the fact that Lonzo doesn't immediately make the team a lot better was, I think, a selling point to a lot of Suns fans on the Lonzo Ball trade because you could potentially trade for Lonzo Ball and it doesn't impact your ability to potentially get a player uh, really high in the draft like Zion, of course, is the, is the main goal. But of course, John Morant is, is one of the players that a lot of people talk about. Um, I think that Lonzo would have been a great fit in that he is a large point guard, so he's 6'5". He has the ability of defending very well. He's a good defender. And I think 
the energy and the infectiousness of a guy who passes really well would have fit on this team in a way that we just don't have anybody like that. And it just makes players play better if they're more likely to receive the ball. It makes them more likely to cut hard. It makes them more likely to roll hard. It makes them more likely to run out on a fast break when the ball could actually hit them. And I think that's the type of thing that's hard to quantify with a player like Lonzo Ball. And it's kind of what the Suns need in general. We just need a player like that that can actually get everyone involved. Ideally, of course, they could shoot. But if they just have one really good basketball skill and maybe two, like Lonzo Ball, who can defend and pass, that would be a huge upgrade because right now we don't really have that. We have DeAnthony Melton, who's a good defender, but he's not a great passer. He doesn't really provide shooting. And anything offensively is just kind of not there yet. It's possible that that will come. But with Lonzo, he does a little bit more of that. So that would have been nice. But I think that the fact that that AD trade fell apart, I think it just ended any chance of him coming to the Suns. And, and don't get me wrong. I see what you're saying. The fit in a lot of ways is really good. Uh, that's why I wouldn't have minded at all. It's just if you shipped out TJ and an additional asset for Lonzo, I, I don't think you actually get better immediately. I, I think the Suns would have gotten worse, quite frankly, and, and would have been worse for a little while. Um maybe hoping that it pays off in a year or two. But regardless, it didn't happen. And at this point, uh, I don't know if it possibly could happen. No, it's very unlikely. I think I think the what New Orleans did, what the Pelicans did, is they said, what's the point of trading Anthony Davis right now to the Lakers if that offer would still be available in the summer, one, and two, the Celtics can now step in and potentially make their offer. There's some complications with Kyrie Irving on that team where it would be easier and more likely for the Celtics to make an offer in the summer because they can include more for Anthony Davis and still re-sign Kyrie Irving and pair him with Anthony Davis in the summer. So now the Pelicans are waiting for that Celtics offer. That's what this uh, likely means. But that also means that that Lakers offer will probably still be available or something like that will still be available. So it's possible that it could go down this summer and the Suns can try and sneak their way in there. But it just depends a lot on where that draft pick falls and what the Suns are willing to, to give up to get a player like Lonzo Ball. So who knows? It's, it's possible, uh, but who knows? But they did make a trade, so we should talk about that one and talk about how we feel. Now, of course, we've sort of made our opinions known online, on Twitter, on Reddit, everywhere that you can sort of interact with us. But the trade was essentially Ryan Anderson for Tyler Johnson and Wayne Ellington, sort of. <laughs> Wayne Ellington has now uh, been bought out and waived. That's, that's the news that's sort of coming down on Twitter now. So Wayne Ellington is available as a free agent for other teams, not on the Suns. He had a no he had a no trade clause, so he had the ability of agreeing to be traded to the Suns, probably under the assumption that he would either be moved to a team he likes or he could be bought out and then choose his own destination in free agency. So Ryan Anderson was not playing, uh, and we traded him for a guy like Tyler Johnson, who could potentially be a secondary playmaker in quotes and a shooter uh, on this team. How do you feel, first of all, about Tyler Johnson in general? He's fine. He gets a bad rep because he's one of those guys who's uh, just massively overpaid. If Tyler Johnson were on an 8 to $10 million contract, I think Miami fans would probably love him. Uh, it's just he gets a lot of hate because he's getting paid $19 million and has another player option next year for another $19 million. But uh, on paper, he's a decent player, averages about 11, 3, and 2. A uh, 35% three-point shooter, good catch-and-shoot guy, and I think that's mostly where we're going to see him in the offense. 
Uh, God knows this offense needs some more catch and shoot players who can actually hit threes. Uh, so that's that's mostly what we're going to see from him. He's not going to be a great playmaker, uh, but he'll be serviceable. Uh, and he's not going to be a great defender, but again, I think he'll be serviceable. Uh, so essentially, you're getting a player. I, the way you put it last night, I think, was good. The Suns traded a suit in Ryan Anderson, who's just, you know, he's just been wearing a suit all season. He hasn't been playing. And they picked up a guy who was actually in a decent NBA rotation getting regular minutes. So that right there is probably an indication that it's a good trade. Yeah, and I think a couple things on on Tyler, first of all. Uh, he's shooting 35% this year. He's actually a career 37% shooter. He's actually shooting his worst percentage uh, from three-point uh, distance this season of any season in his career. So it could potentially improve regression to the mean could actually mean he gets a little better throughout the season depending on how our offense works of course but there are a lot of open threes that get that get missed on the Suns offense and a guy like him could come onto the team and get those open shots and hit them the other thing is a 35 percent shooter some people see that and say well he's not a great shooter well this Suns team is a very very bad shooting team a 35 percent shooter currently would be the fourth best three-point shooter on this Suns team so even though he's not a great three-point shooter, he's still one of the best three-point shooters on the Phoenix Suns. Now that is an indictment on this roster construction, of course, but it also should be said that bringing a guy like him still improves this team. I think you're right, massively overpaid. So people look at that and say, wow, why, why would we make this move? But it's just for Ryan Anderson, guys. Ryan Anderson, it's not that big of a deal. And the other thing is, some people are saying, why? how did he get overpaid so much? Just to recap how that happened, it was a troll deal by <laughs> the Brooklyn Nets. Restricted free agency works in a way that teams can make an offer to a player while they're a restricted free agent, and if they sign that offer, the team has a chance to match it. And the Brooklyn Nets, when they were going through their rebuild and they really had no players and a ton of cap space, they looked at Tyler Johnson and they said, well, let's offer him what they call a poison pill contract, a contract that explodes massively late in the contract to large amounts of money, which is the exact opposite of what you want. Ideally, a contract would get lower and lower, make them more tradable as the contract goes on. Um, And they said, let's dare Miami to match it. And because Miami didn't have a lot of other options that summer, they ended up matching that Tyler Johnson contract. So he's overpaid by design, and the largest years of his contract are these two years at the Sun Zone. So not not exactly ideal, but there's not a lot when you're shopping Ryan Anderson only, which we'll talk about whether or not we believe the other guys were or were not on the trade market. But when you're shopping Ryan Anderson, this is the kind of thing that you get back. You get a player that's massively overpaid, just like Ryan Anderson, except he can play on this team. And I actually think... Suns fans may feel weird about this right now, but I actually think they're going to like Tyler Johnson on this Suns team because he's scrappy. They're going to like anyone who takes away Jamal Crawford's minutes. <laughs> and that's going to be Tyler Johnson. So yeah, I, I'll root for Tyler Johnson. But I think the main that contract, by the way, that you're mentioning is funny. Four years, 50 million overall. So it's, it's basically exactly what I was talking about. If you just took the average there, it's 12. Uh, quick math. Twelve and a half million a year isn't that bad for a guy who's you know gives you twenty five minutes a game as a as a bench point guard. Still a little overpaid, but it's just he he got five million these first two years, and then it blows up to nineteen million. So it's it's just becomes ridiculous. Um, but to get back to the matter before, I think the main question about Tyler Johnson is when we were talking about Ryan Anderson, it was basically assumed that he would be stretched after this season. 
And now Tyler Johnson has a very similar contract. The Suns could create virtually the same amount of cap space this summer if they do the exact same thing with him. The question is, will they? And do they have any long-term plans for this guy after this season? Because we all know these next 30 games, you want a competent point guard to run your offense just so you can uh, have your players getting reps in that offense and, and sort of build some momentum maybe going into the summer. But at the end of the day, these games don't really matter. So what's the long-term plan with Tyler Johnson? Yeah, I think you're right about that. So what, I, what my theory is, a couple of things that are with Ryan Anderson specifically. If we kept Ryan Anderson, we could have stretched him at his guaranteed amount. So Ryan Anderson was actually owed more money than Tyler Johnson next season. Tyler Johnson's about $19 million and Ryan Anderson was about $20 million. If you keep Ryan Anderson after his guaranteed date which is July 10th this summer, you actually do have to pay him that full $20 million. So if you wanted to wave and stretch Ryan Anderson, you would have had to make that decision by July 10th this summer, and then you could wave and stretch him at that $15 million, which is his guaranteed amount, which is essentially splitting up that $15 million over the course of the next three seasons, which gives you a cap hit of $5 million over the course of the next few seasons. And what this deal signifies to me is that James Jones and the Suns front office think that it's more likely that they'll be able to move Tyler Johnson after that July 10th date than they would have been able to move Ryan Anderson. So there's less pressure to make a decision by this summer because they believe it's more possible to move a guy like Tyler Johnson. And when you're talking about a Suns team that has assets, ideally, a lot of assets, and could potentially make a move similar to the Philadelphia move to get a guy like Jimmy Butler, well, you need a contract to potentially swap salaries. And so if the Suns want to make... Or Tobias Harris. Yeah, or Tobias Harris. they just traded Wilson Chandler in the same way. Right, exactly. So if you have to swap contracts to match money and give up young assets who don't eat a lot of salary cap, you need a player that you believe you can keep and then move. And I think it signifies to me they believe Tyler Johnson is more of that player than Ryan Anderson, and it gives them time to make that decision, and they're not forced to make a decision this summer on Ryan Anderson. So there's a lot of information there, but I just think it's a little more complicated, and there's a little more moving parts, I think, than people just make it out to be. I think they just think it's more likely they can move Tyler Johnson next summer than Ryan Anderson, and they're not forced to make that uh, that decision early. So how do you feel about him being a starting point guard on this team. So that's the news I think that Gambo brought up that I think is actually kind of interesting. We'll see if that's the case, of course. But, uh, it, you know, he's not really a point guard. No, he's not. Um, I, I uh, don't know what to analyze about this, really. It's not going to be much different from Melton, I don't think. I mean, he's just going to play... Uh, I think on offense, you're just going to see him playing a catch-and-shoot role and... uh seeing Booker as the de facto point guard, uh, he's he's not really going to run the offense himself. Uh, he might be the point guard in spirit in that he guards the other team's point guard. If that's how you define position, which I think is a good way to define it, you are who you guard. Um, but offensively, I think it's going to be very much Devin Booker with a side of Tyler Johnson, who's only on the court because he can hit the three at a higher clip than DeAnthony Melton and occasionally drive it, but uh, he's not all that effective there either. He actually has a relatively good assist to turnover ratio. So he does seem to be capable of passing a good decision maker. Maybe an, an assist to turnover ratio. I think if anything, it shows that your 
not trying to force it. So if if we have a guy like him who's been in the league a few years, I think four or five years now, uh, understands the NBA, understands how it works, and is not going to try and force it and get more turnovers, then that's a good situation for this team uh, in general. So I think it'll be okay. I think it's an interesting starting lineup. I don't think it's like this massive difference maker, of course. It's just a slight difference. I think for a guy like DeAndre Ayton, it's nice because he'll probably have more space underneath. And I think it makes it harder for guys to uh, uh, leak off of and, 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 and help on Devin Booker's drive. So it gives Devin Booker more space to drive on his own. As we've seen the last few weeks, Devin Booker's turnovers have spiked a little bit. And a lot of that is just because of that third guy just sort of reaching in and hitting him from his weak side. And, and swiping at the ball. And I think even though he's not a great shooter, I think you have to guard him at the three-point line. So it makes more space on the court, and that will be nice as far as developing these guys. Probably won't lead to more wins, but better development. Yeah, I I would agree with that assessment. It's probably not going to make that much of a difference. It might lead to one more win, <laughs> but again, these wins, they don't really matter. Whatever the Suns do, they're not moving out of the top five. So you can... Be confident about that. Um, they could they could win. They could go on a six or seven game win streak right now and still probably wouldn't move out of the top five, which is honestly probably a good thing. At this point, <laughs> at this point, it's your best avenue to get better. I know that's frustrating because that's been the best avenue to get better for the last eight years, but that's just what it is. It's just what it is. If you have a chance at Zion, you got to take it because he could be a difference maker unlike a lot of draft picks that have come into the NBA in a long time. Um, let's quickly talk about two other point guards that may, or that have different storylines that came out of this trade deadline uh, because it's more related to this Tyler Johnson thing. First of all, Mark, Mark Hill Fultz was finally traded to Orlando for Jonathan Simmons, uh, OKC's protected first round pick and uh, Cleveland's second round pick. Mark Hill Fultz. Now, that was one of those guys that Suns fans looked at and said, why not? <laughs> and I understand why, because who knows? What if he does end up being the number one pick that we all expected him to be? Are you disappointed the Suns were not more involved in this Mark Hill Fultz trade discussion? Yes, a little bit. Uh, so it they traded Jonathan Simmons uh, for him, who's having a really tough year. He looked good legitimately last year for Orlando, and then this year he's just honestly been a train wreck. Um, plus a top 20 first round pick uh, or a top 20 protected first round pick from the Thunder that if it uh, lands in its protected range becomes two second round picks and then another second round pick after that. So in sum for Markel Fultz, who is the number one pick very recently, uh, they traded w one of the worst rotation players in the NBA currently, because frankly, that's what Jonathan Simmons looks like this year, um, plus possibly three second round picks or else a very late first-round pick and a second-round pick. And that just doesn't seem like a lot to me. It seems like the Suns could have very easily beaten that offer if they wanted. Um, people talk about, you know, Lonzo with a certain degree of certainty, but honestly, I think Lonzo and Markel Fultz are sort of on the same level. I mean, I would definitely put Lonzo ahead of Fultz in terms of being a sure bet at this point. But, you know, both of them would have been projects, and... If that's the price we're talking about, I, I kind of wish the Suns would have made an offer. There. What do you think the offer could have been? So obviously, in, in place of that OKC pick, that Bucks pick, which is a similar situation, it protected yeah. and and it, it eventually will convey, but it, it may not convey. Well, probably won't convey this summer. Who would be that Jonathan Simmons player that we could replace? Because this is where I get a little 
concerned. I saw Dave King bring up TJ uh, Warren, and I just think that's insane. I, I just think TJ Warren is is a good player currently, and Markel Fultz might never be a good player. He might never provide it because his problems are not related to his skills, his athleticism. They're mental, and mental problems, they kind of stick with you. They're not guaranteed to get out of that. Uh, so I just don't know. I, I think TJ Warren is crazy. Who else would it be? I think you could give them... Well, you would have to give them someone with a mid-sized salary to match salaries. I think that would be probably like Dragon Bender would be in the vicinity there. I'd have to fire up trade machine, trade machine and check. But I think if you give Dragon Bender, you give them the option of maybe one of the young point guards between Melton or Akobo, and then the Bucks pick. That's a, I think that's a better offer than what they actually got. And I think it matches salaries. Again, I'd have to check, and I think it's fair for Phoenix. I don't know what you think of that, but you know, I think that's the sort of gamble that I'd be willing to take on a guy who's still very, very young and maybe just needs a change of scenery. Yeah, I think that I, I would do it too. I, if it's if that were the case, I think that what's difficult for the Suns right now is although Jonathan Simmons was pretty bad on Orlando, I think that in a smaller role on uh, Philly, he could actually potentially contribute right now this season, and I think. Philly, based on the other moves that were made, they're loading up to make a run at the title right now this season. And, and, and we can talk a little bit more about that uh, after we take a break. But they're clearly trying to win a championship right now. And the Suns don't have a lot of guys that can contribute right now. I think DeAnthony Melton, if we brought him up, could potentially contribute right now in a smaller role just because of his defense. And he's, he's got the ability of going in and guarding a point guard for a stretch if you need it. But it's just hard. It's difficult to know anything about Markel Fultz, and this could go down as an amazing trade for Orlando. And it's a low-risk trade for them in general, so I don't think it'll go down as a bad trade no matter what happens. Uh, but if he, ends up, if he ends up hitting, it will be a big disappointment for the Suns that they weren't involved in that. The other point guard that some news came out today was the Clippers are waving Milos Teodosic, uh, the old guy <laughs> from the EuroLeague, <laughs> that is the cigarette smoking bearded um, point guard that is an amazing, incredible passer, one of the greatest EuroLeague players of all time. Uh, kind of had a rough go here in the NBA. Uh, some injuries kept him out of the lineup a bit and really hasn't really caught on. But a lot of guys look at Milos and say, well, he's got a relationship with Igor. Could he be a guy that comes on to the Suns and maybe plays point guard for us immediately, maybe even starts at point guard for us uh, immediately? Uh, I think all signs are pointing to him going back to Europe, but if he does, yeah. do you want him here on the Suns? Oh, absolutely. I, we need a veteran point guard to run the show. Just to run a competent offense, I mean, did you see Elliot Kobo trying to pass DeAndre in the ball mm. yesterday? Yeah, it was bad. Ouch. I mean, I mean, Milos, look, he's a traf actual traffic cone on defense. An <laughs> a travesty. A, dis a disaster in every sense of the word. But on offense, uh, he hasn't really had the opportunity to show it this year because he hasn't been getting playing time, which has made people wonder all season, when is this going to happen? It felt like this would be inevitable. Last season, he looked good. Uh, I mean, he averaged 6.6 .6 assists to 3.1 turnovers per 36. 38% three-point shooter, uh, one of the flashiest passers in the league by far. Uh, he would have been fun to watch, for sure, in an, in an open-court, fast-break offense. Uh, and then you just don't really worry about the defense because, again, you're not winning games anyway. 
Yeah, I think it's a risk that uh, it would not be a risk at all, really. I mean, you just kind of uh, get the roster spot and fill it with Milos and, and see what he can do. Because if he can't play a lot because his body's breaking down, then that's okay. He can go to Europe at that point. But if he can come in there and actually give uh, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton some touches off the ball where they actually catch it in position to really make their move and score, that would be nice because there's nobody else on our team that's currently setting those guys up in a way that Milos absolutely could right now. So I don't see any problem. I'm sure the Suns are reaching out to him. There were rumors that they were reaching out to his camp this summer already. Uh, so who knows? Maybe uh, maybe Milos could be on the team uh, tomorrow, <laughs> as early as tomorrow because he's available right now. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the other trades that went down in a fairly anticlimactic trade deadline. But there's still some interesting trades to talk about, so stick around. into everyone that was traded let's quickly talk about someone that surprisingly was not traded and that player is mike conley so the grizzlies did move on from mark gasol and we'll talk about that trade in a second but someone they kept and said they were planning on keeping was mike conley so they probably did not hear any offer that blew them away uh, but this guy could potentially be moved in the future mike conley basketball wise we talked about it in our last episode a perfect fit on this Phoenix Suns team, and he was not moved. I don't know if the Suns were reaching out to the to the Grizzlies about Mike Conley. It does not sound like they were, but a little disappointing. He didn't get to a, a place where he could really uh, contribute. It seems like the Grizzlies are planning on tanking. What do you think about Mike Conley not being moved? Uh, well, I think it makes sense if the public information we got about it was true. I saw a couple of rumors yesterday about, I don't know if you saw the same thing, the Jazz and the Pistons mm-hmm. making offers, and those look terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. was getting on, I was getting on James Jones because I, I figured, you know, the Suns could easily beat those offers, and you know, maybe they're waiting till the summer to acquire their point guard. Maybe that's James Jones's master plan. If so, it's a good thing that Conley is now available. Um, but, like, one of the offers yesterday from the Pistons, I think, was Reggie Jackson and a first-round pick for Mike Conley. And oh. then... And then the Grizzlies, again, all supposedly, Grizzlies said, okay, can we have Luke Kennard? And they said no. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, come on. <laughs> if that's what we're dealing with, you can't beat that. And then I think the Jazz, it was something like maybe a first-round pick and a second-round pick and an expiring contract was like the initial offer. Didn't mention who the expiring contract was. And then the Rubio, Grizzlies wanted- probably probably Rubio Grizzlies wanted Dante Exum to be fair if it was Rubio that maybe that is a lot the Grizzlies wanted a young guy like Exum and the Jazz weren't willing to budge that was the rumor there again it's seems like these are you know minuscule kind of not huge impact players we're talking about uh so if that's really the value for Mike Conley then the Grizzlies probably did the right thing by just holding on to him but I think it's a good thing for the Suns because the Suns definitely have the assets uh to acquire a guy like that in the summer should they choose to do so. And I definitely think they should be on the lookout. And this is why you have a guy like Tyler Johnson. It's specifically if you need salary to match for uh, Mike Conley. Because here's the thing about Tyler Johnson next year. 
the the Grizzlies, if they fully buy into the tank this summer, they can get Tyler Johnson and they can play him, or they can say he's expiring. Let's just buy him out and let him find his own team, and and the Suns will give us a draft pick, and we'll get we'll get to move on from Mike Conley like that. And that you know that's possible with Ryan Anderson. It's just that you have less time to make up your mind on Ryan Anderson. You have to choose to keep him or not. And with Tyler Johnson, it seems like the plan will be to keep him, potentially shop him for a guy like Mike Conley or Blake Griffin. We've talked about Blake Griffin in the past. There is no sign that Detroit is moving on from Blake Griffin anytime soon other than the scoop uh, that Scoop B reported. But if that relationship goes sour at any point, you need to have salary matching contracts, and that's what Tyler Johnson is there for. So those are two guys to keep an eye on next season if we're moving a guy like that. And as we know... Stars become available all the time in, in surprising ways. And the other thing about the Grizzlies is, as you said, they moved on from Marcus Gasol. So if you look at what they've acquired now, they have big men. Uh, they have point guards. They just acquired a, a decent young point guard from Toronto. What they don't have are wings for their rebuild. Their only wing, who's a young guy, is Dylan Brooks, who they were trying to trade away for Kelly Oubre just two months ago. And who has wings? The Phoenix Suns. Mm-hmm. So these could be two very intriguing trade partners. The Suns will have $20 million of expiring salary to offer in Tyler Johnson. They've got a plethora of picks, obviously. Uh, they've got uh, wings, as I was just talking about. They've got you know these young prospects. It's all just about whether or not they're willing to accelerate the timeline. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's an interesting one to keep an eye on. And, and it's kind of... I think that it'll probably be more of a backup plan. It seems like all signs point towards James Jones looking for a long-term fit at point guard for the Suns this summer. Who knows if James Jones will even be our general manager as of this summer, but if he is, that's what that's where the signs are pointing. So Mike Conley won't have a lot of years. I believe he only has one year left on his contract after this year, so uh, not exactly a long-term fit for the Suns moving forward. So a couple other trades. Let's talk about some other trades. So let's actually just start with the, the Grizzlies. They traded Mark Gasol to Toronto, or Toronto as they say in Toronto, uh, for Jonas Valanciunas, Valanciunas um, Basil Unisauce, or however, <laughs> Charles <Valanciunas>. Martin. <laughs> uh, DeLon Wright, CJ Miles, and a second round pick. Some people say a lot for Gasol, and I understand that. But... This is a win-now move for Toronto that I think is absolutely brilliant because, one, they're going to be amazing with Marc Gasol. As long as Marc Gasol is healthy, that defense is going to be unstoppable. Marc Gasol is a fantastic playmaker on that team, and they're clearly trying to win a championship this season to prove to Kawhi Leonard that he can sign long-term in Toronto. And if it does not work, if Kawhi Leonard does not stay... On the Raptors, well, then they already got rid of Jonas Valanciunas' contract. They already uh, they can easily clear out that team and begin to tank immediately. And that was the idea around Kawhi Leonard. That clearly is the idea around Marc Gasol. What do you think about this trade? Yeah, I like it for Toronto a lot. I like the arms race that we're seeing in the East. We're finally seeing a reason for these Eastern Conference teams to truly be competitive and to go for it. Uh, because I think some of these teams honestly sense that they're not just competing for the Eastern Conference Finals this year, but they actually have a chance. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if that's me being a little bit optimistic about the Warriors being weak when 
really they're going to go into the playoffs and crush everybody all over again. But it just feels a little bit different this year where maybe Milwaukee, uh, with the move that they just made that we'll talk about in a second, and Toronto, they're building teams that have a legitimate shot. Uh, and also love to see the Celtics being left in the dust uh, in all of this with with the rest of these teams in the East just uh, going through this arms race and getting better. So yeah, I think Toronto is going to be a, a strong player going forward, um, and and I like the fit. It is obviously a risk because if Marcus All goes down for any extended period of time, then you're down Valanciunas and Wright, who are two of your top eight or nine. Uh, role players on that team. Yeah, so the other two teams that we're talking about as far as this Eastern arms race is uh, Philadelphia and Milwaukee that both made trades. Let's let's cover the Philadelphia one first because it's a, it's a little more Suns related because we've talked about uh, one of these guys as a potential power forward for the Suns in the future, and that's Tobias Harris. So Philadelphia got Tobias Harris, Boban Marjanovic, Mike Scott, and then they gave up ah, Landry Shamet, uh, different players, but I mean, the, the main point, Wilson Chandler, I believe, was part of the trade. The main point is they now have Tobias Harris in that starting lineup and uh, Boban as a potential backup for uh, Joel Embiid. Very interesting trade for uh, for them going forward. That starting lineup is pretty interesting with Tobias Harris in it. How do you feel about the 76ers and, and, and what they have now? Well, the truth is the Sixers don't have a lot of depth now. Um, but they have a very strong top four between those four guys. Definitely, arguably the strongest top four of anyone in the Eastern Conference. Um, I do think the thing about Tobias Harris is he's a guy who's not um, not a great passer uh, and has sort of gotten maybe used to that first option role with the Clippers. He's a bit of a ball stopper, as efficient as he's been, because um, I, I do think he's shooting over a 60% true shooting clip this year. Uh, but so it's going to be interesting how that fits in with Jimmy Butler and Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, who are all guys who really move move the ball quite well in that offense. Um, so I think that's the only thing that might be interesting to watch out for. Uh, obviously, this is a big risk on the part of the Sixers. Uh, they want to commit to Harris long-term and, and try to free up the space to, to sign him. So uh, it'll be an interesting three- or four-month experiment to see how well that really works. But in theory, uh, they should be really good. Yeah, it's a chemistry experiment. I think it's it's hard because... Jimmy Butler likes the ball in his hands. Joel Embiid talks about it all the time. He loves the ball in his hands. Uh, ben Simmons is useless without the ball in his hands. And then luckily they have a guy like J.J. Redick who can play off the ball constantly. Is amazing. One of the best off the ball players in the NBA. So how that chemistry works for them uh, going forward, I think will be really good. But the fact is they have talent and chemistry and talent kind of go hand in hand. The more talent you have, the easier it is to build chemistry. I think they're going to be really good I still, ha- I still, in my opinion, I think Toronto's the the favorite as far as making the finals in the East. And I thought that even before all of these trades, just because I believe their best player is the best player in the East in Kawhi Leonard. I think he's just uh, incredible, and at his peak in the playoffs, will be better than even Kyrie Irving moving forward. And I'm a bit of a Celtics hater, admittedly. I don't really want them to be successful, so I kind of hope they aren't. Uh, but another team that made a move in the East, I think is a fascinating move and a brilliant move is Milwaukee mm-hmm. traded for Nikol- Nikola Mirotic, another guy that the Suns want uh, or we want. And they only had to give up Jason Smith and Stanley Johnson, Stanley Johnson, who was barely even on the team. This is a really brilliant trade from Milwaukee, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, this uh, and Milwaukee doesn't have the problems that Philly has with players wanting the ball in their hands because they're constructing brilliantly brilliantly, excuse me, as you said, uh, a cast of role players. 
essentially. But they're role players that fit the puzzle so well. And Nikola Mirotic just continues to build onto that. Not to mention the fact that you acquired a guy like Nikola Mirotic, who I think is averaging 17 and 9 this year. Good three-point shooter, which fits very well into the spacing of that offense where you have Giannis driving and kicking. Um, they acquired him for Stanley Johnson and Jason Smith. Stanley Johnson is is butt. He's not he's not good. He's a burger. If 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 Carl's Jr. is the official burger of the Phoenix Suns, Stanley Johnson has been the official burger of the Detroit Pistons for the past few years, ever since he got drafted. Uh, and and so this is just going to be, I think, great free flowing offense, good chemistry between these guys. Now the problem Milwaukee has, Nikola Mirotic is yet another free agent. They've got Giannis locked up long term, and then they've got. Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe, Malcolm Brogdon, Brooke Lopez, and now Nikola Mirotic. Five free agents this mm-hmm. summer. The five of their top six players. Uh, so that that has the potential to be a disaster for them. They're going to have to choose who they really want to keep and commit to long term because they're not going to be able to keep everyone. Uh, but just gearing up for the playoffs, this is a really good move for them. And I think it's going to be really entertaining, especially if we get to see a series between them and Toronto. I think that will be a lot of fun. Milwaukee's in an interesting place right now because we've kind of seen it with Bud before where his teams are really good in the in the regular season. We saw Atlanta, I believe they won 62 games and then they got knocked out of the playoffs, I believe, in the first round. So it, it's it's an interesting place for Milwaukee where they're playing really well right now. They're really good. Uh, of course, Giannis would be the best player that Bud has ever coached, so that makes a big difference. But they're going to have to prove it in the postseason, and this is the kind of move that kind of helps them because it gives them depth, it gives them more shooting, it gives them a guy who can create his own shot, and uh, you know, it's just a nice fit with them. He's big and fits. I mean, everyone kind of fits if you can shoot threes. Everyone kind of fits around Giannis, so he can shoot. He's big like Clay, <laughs> and he shoots like Steph. Bringing that one back. I think it was like 10 episodes ago or something. Uh, yeah, so we'll see how that works out. I think that's a very interesting trade. I think it's a brilliant trade. Maybe one of the best deals of the day, in my opinion, as far as uh, just basic trades that went down today. Maybe one of the best deals overall was probably Porzingis to Dallas, something we haven't yet talked about. Uh, they also got rid of Harrison Barnes, who's now in Sacramento, the most Sacramento Kingsy thing they've done so far all year because... I don't know, it's just a little weird of a deal for Sacramento, but an interesting rebuild for Dallas, right? They've gone from having a bunch of contracts maybe that are undesirable uh, to now having Porzingis and Doncic paired together and the ability to just build around them for the next 10 to 15 years. Yeah, that's that's really what they are going for. And I don't know exactly how they envision this summer. Uh, and and what their next move is like? Who's the third piece to add to those mm-hmm. two guys? And they have the, they're creating the flexibility to make it. I think theoretically anyone. I think they might have a max contract uh, yeah. slot. Uh, but but I'd have to double check. I believe that. they can. They have the ability of creating a max spot. Is is what I uh, last read. And and we talked about it a little bit before. I think they're gonna they're gonna aim big. I think they're gonna of course talk to Durant and see if they can get Durant to come there. And if that doesn't work out, who knows what they'll do there. Uh, it's a really interesting team as far as team building goes because they don't need a lot of the traditional types of players around those two because the two that they have are so untraditional. Doncic is a big guy who can create for anyone on the court, including himself. And Porzingis is one of the biggest, I think he's the tallest player in the in the NBA currently, and he can shoot threes and create off the dribble for himself. 
So those guys can do things that just other players cannot. So the, you have the ability of, of surrounding them with a lot of interesting pieces. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they do because it's just a very different one-two tandem uh, than we've ever really seen in the NBA. It's kind of just a really tall Nash and Dirk. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, yeah, basically. I, I, I know. Kind of depressing. <laughs> More, de- more def- frankly, a lot more defense yeah, than Ash. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Um, let's see. Not a lot of other interesting deals today. Do you have any other trades that you want to talk about? Uh, let's see. What, what else even happened? Otto Porter um, is now uh, on, on the oh, board. And Porter. Markeith Morris was traded too. So there's kind of a fire sale going on in Washington, uh, which leads some people to believe that Beal okay. might be available sometime soon, but who really knows? Last read that they're trying to keep Beal regardless. Um, oh, uh, some just you know, not really re- that important, but something funny is uh, Lakers fans overrate Zubots a lot, <laughs> and he got traded along with Beasley for Mike Mascala. So I enjoyed uh, you that. You could have just ended that sentence at Lakers fans overrate, you, they just do, they just do the, the best moment of this entire trade deadline was the Lakers getting completely screwed. So I should talk about this just quickly because I talked about it on Twitter. But what the Pelicans did to the Lakers is is pretty remarkable. The level of pettiness that they brought to this negotiation is unlike anything we've ever seen in the NBA because by all accounts, the Pelicans had no intention of ever trading to the Lakers before this trade deadline. And what they did is they forced the Lakers by not negotiating to constantly outbid themselves. They basically said, overwhelm us with whatever offer that you have. And the Lakers did. They offered everything that they had. Uh, two, potentially three draft picks, and all five of their young guys that they just spent the last five or six years developing and drafting. And then the Pelicans, instead of saying, yeah, no thanks, they just leaked it to the media, which completely destroyed all chemistry that the Lakers players have with each other because now they're all looking around and saying, this guy, LeBron, our, our guy that is supposed to be our best teammate here, is trying to trade us to a different team because his agent is working back channels. And now their chemistry is completely destroyed and could be destroyed moving forward for the rest of the season. They may not even make the playoffs because of this. And and, and essentially ruined every chance that the Lakers have of getting Anthony Davis anytime soon, which is now leading to reports that they're going to sign Carmelo Anthony. So after all this, after all these Lakers fans got their hopes up, for a potential move for Anthony Davis, they're going to end up with the most washed player that's still in the NBA in Carmelo Anthony. It's just absolutely beautiful what the New Orleans Pelicans did to the Lakers as an organization who are the most overrated organization because they've been an absolute disaster for the last five or six years. Remarkable. Wow. Wow. I like the rant. I just, I like the rant and everything you everything everything you said it's is true. It's just really it's really um, petty. Really well, petty. Yeah, and no, it is it is really petty. You're right. Yeah. It's it, I mean, it's it's funny. Um but it's pettiness but at what cost? I mean, what do we really think, Danny? As much as I love it and I am not the type to defend the Lakers usually. Uh as as much as I love what the Pelicans are doing. What do they really think they're going to get from Danny Ainge in the summer? I mean, they got a they got a good offer at the end of the day. Yeah. Once they were willing to give up the entire yeah. farm and all those picks, and they still said no, why not just swallow your pride and take it? Because I I don't think you're going to get 
I mean, maybe Ainge is saying that Jason Tatum might be on the table, or maybe he's going to turn around come summertime and say, hey, here's Jalen Brown and a bunch of first-round mm-hmm. picks from various playoff teams all around the league, which is not the same thing as what the Lakers are giving Well, it's you. a huge, huge risk by the Pelicans. But at, at the same time, this is kind of what makes it great as a Suns fan to watch it all happen because – they took the whole risk and they screwed over one of our most hated teams <laughs> while doing it. Uh, so who knows that they could easily pull that, those deals and, 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 you know, the Lakers entire negotiation strategy will be that their offer to them will get worse this summer, which to be honest, it probably should get worse this summer because they get one playoff with Anthony Davis under contract instead of two. And it makes it a little harder for them to sign another star because really they want Anthony Davis on the team before they sign another star. And if, uh, and if the Pelicans hold off on trading Anthony Davis to, to whenever they feel like trading him, then it just, everything gets a little more complicated. So uh, I just love what the Pelicans did. I think it's hilarious that they screwed over the Lakers so publicly. And you see it affecting the team, right? You saw that great clip of LeBron sitting 10 seats away from any of his other teammates and all of them sort of giving him the cold shoulder. You saw Zubats hit the ground and Lance Steven just stare at him instead of helping him up. I mean, it's just a disaster in LA right now. And I'm 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 eating it up. Those, those tears of Lakers fans, they really sustain me in a way that... Uh, only that could because of how bad the Suns are this season. <laughs> we forgot one crazy thing. Oh, no. Don't you remember a certain someone in, I believe it was August, saying that uh, Brandon Knight was a more tradable contract <laughs> than Ryan Anderson? Well, that certain someone is full of shit yes. because six later the cleveland cavaliers have acquired brandon knight marquise chris and a first round pick 2019 <laughs> first round pick uh and a 2022 second round pick from the houston rockets uh as part of a three-team deal the rockets had to had to forfeit a first round pick uh in order to get rid of those guys so they're on the move again i bet they're fast friends by now by the way as this is their third team together Meanwhile, the Suns didn't have to attach a pick to Ryan Anderson to get a objectively better player in Tyler Johnson. Again, I'm not saying I'm super excited about the Tyler Johnson trade, but I do just think it's funny um, and figured we should probably well, make a quick... No, no, no. You should yeah. say that if, if the Rockets did it, they would keep Wayne Ellington, and that alone would have made it a much better deal for the Rockets because Wayne Ellington is a perfect fit on that Rockets team. He provides exactly what they were looking for in Amon Shumpert, which is defense and shooting. That's what Wayne Ellington does. So the fact that they had to attach a first-round pick to those guys to get a post-knee surgery, Iman Shumpert, is hilarious. It's hilarious. It, it really shows that no matter what the deal is, if the Suns did it, it was bad, according to national media, because they don't fully pay attention to the team enough to understand the repercussions of any deal. And that means, as Suns fans, those of you who are listening today, get used to people trashing this Tyler Johnson deal. That's what they're going to do. They don't understand our team. And they won't until we start winning, which is something we've talked about before. Uh, It's just going to keep happening. We need to win. We need to start winning to avenge Kevin O'Connor because I'm starting to feel nervous. I'm starting to feel nervous for Kevin's uh, reputation at the Ringer office where people probably make fun of him every day for being a Suns, uh, a a low-key Suns supporter, writing these articles that are nice about DeAndre Ayton when clearly DeAndre Ayton is only the 15th best rookie in his class. (laughs) 
KOC's the homie. KOC's the homie. Uh, all right, we'll be back probably this weekend in a few days uh, to talk about what this team looks like moving forward. Hopefully we'll be able to talk about how the team looks with Tyler Johnson on the court. Maybe it'll exceed all of our expectations, right? Uh, Maybe. Uh, Maybe... Yeah, just maybe. And I think not going to get anyone's hope. You know what? It's, you know what it's time for, Sam. I, I think it's time we we got to start talking about the draft. But I don't want to. I I can wrap up the draft. Here's our draft episode right now. Number one, pick Zion. Number two, pick John Moran. Number three or later, trade. <laughs> there, there you go. There it is. Uh, there, there are some interesting guys I would pick up in like the late first or early second round, but I haven't done. Uh, extensive enough research there yet to know everyone who's in that range currently so uh, we can do a draft episode we can talk about it with you guys it's just it's a boring draft and and maybe the Suns don't need another young player right now the Suns definitely don't need uh, like a Nazir Little type you know young project wing or like a Cam Reddish shooting 35% as a freshman like they, they don't need a player like that when they're a team with such a bad track record of development already. It just doesn't make any sense. That, that would boggle my mind. So it's going to be an interesting draft for the Suns, a team with no scouts. Go Suns. Go Suns. just wrapped up another episode of the timeline i love this podcast and if you're like me you want as much sun's content as possible that's why i listen to the timeline every week so if you want to go ahead and hear some more phoenix sun's content go ahead and listen to the solar panel of phoenix sun show we are available on spotify on itunes on stitcher on google play anywhere that you listen to podcasts go ahead and check out the solar panel a phoenix sun's show Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.